I'll be reading from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised it is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much, more, and so much more, the more as you see the day approaching. Once again, good morning to you. It's been great already to be able to have uh, these scriptures read and to be led in prayer and then to sing also, to sing in honor and praise uh, of our Lord. There are some things that are just known. And so we're having our fifth Sunday singing this evening. Looking forward to that. I hope everyone can be back be ready to participate in our fifth Sunday singing. But what is known about that is, when that occurs, then the preacher is allowed extra time on Sunday morning uh, to impart um, some of the scriptures that we need to hear. So that being said, we are going to be looking at, and I appreciate this good passage. I love Hebrews 10. I love Hebrews 10. Um, We're going to be looking at um, the fact, some reasons why New Testament Christians love the assemblies of the church. That's, That's our lesson this morning. Reasons why New Testament Christians love uh, the assemblies of the church. And I'm looking forward to getting into this uh, with you. We've got a long way to go and a short time uh, to get there. So let's see what we can do uh, together. I appreciate you being here. appreciate you remembering two things. We want to be in the mind of God, the scriptures. And we want to be positive as by way of, of listening and also by way of applying these principles to our lives. So here we go. Uh, several reasons why New Testament Christians love the assemblies of the church. When we say the assemblies of the church, we read, uh, for example, in Acts 2.42 that the early Christians continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of the bread and prayers. We read places like Acts 20 and verse 7 where they came together on the first day of the week uh, to break bread there in Troas. We read their assembling there in uh, Corinth on the first day of the week to partake of the Lord's Supper, 1 Corinthians 11 and then 1 Corinthians 16. So we see that the early Christians assembled together for the purpose of worship on the Lord's Day, but also for the purpose of instruction and fellowship at various other times. So that's what we mean by assemblies of the church. So now let's get going here. Reasons why New Testament Christians love the assemblies 
of the church. Reason number one, looking in Hebrews 10, reason number one, because of what Jesus has done for us. Look at verses uh, 19 and 20 of what James read for us, 19 to 21 actually. Look at what, look what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has broken down a lot of barriers to get us here. A lot of barriers. The barrier of sin is number one. The barrier of the old law here is mentioned. The barrier of the old law. We're in, we now, according to verse 19, we have confidence to enter into the holy places. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. He goes on to say, into the new and living way which He opened for us. He opened that new and living way for us through the curtain that is through His flesh, through His death. He was here in the flesh. He died for us. He opened up that new and living way. And now Jesus is the great high priest over the house of God. And so we love the assembly because of the times in which we live, because of what Jesus has done for us, because of the barriers that He has taken away. You know, in the Old Testament arrangement, only certain ones could go into the holy place, the priest. Only certain one could go into the most holy, the holy of holies, and that is the great high priest. But now we're all priests before God. Jesus has opened up the way. He has paved the way for us, in a sense. He has paved the way. And we can all approach God directly. We're all priests of God, according to 1 Peter 2, verses 5 and 9. We are priests of God. Under the old arrangement, they relied upon animal sacrifices that brought remembrance of sin from year uh, to year. But now, the ultimate sacrifice has been, has been brought to the earth. The ultimate sacrifice has been, has been done. The price has been paid. Jesus, according to John 1, 29, Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He has shed His blood. Under the old arrangement, they would, they would burn incense to bring an aroma of a flavor and a pleasing aroma to God. But now we don't need that because according to Revelation 8, verse 3 and Revelation 5, verse 8, the prayers of the saints are really now the incense of God. Okay. Now we go to God in prayer, and that brings a great deal of pleasure to Him. When we worship Him, when we pray to Him, that brings pleasure uh, to our Lord. Under the old arrangement, they met at a certain place like Jerusalem. They had certain physical structures like the temple and the holy place and most holy place. Now, we, that has all been taken away. All those barriers have been taken away. Now, we can worship through the local church any place on earth with any sort of structure that, that a person uh, can, can derive, can build, or, or can rent, or whatever structure they there may be. Now Jesus had this conversation with the woman at Jacob's well, John 4, 20 to 24, when she came to Jesus and she said, um, she said, you know, we worship on this mountain, Mount Gerizim, and uh, you Jews say that in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem you ought to worship. Jesus said, woman, there's an hour coming and now is. When all the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. All that's been taken away. Father, what does the Father seek now? The Father seeks those who want to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so we love the assemblies because of what Jesus has done for us. He's taken away all these barriers, especially the barrier of sin, and now we want to come together so we can render thanksgiving to Him 
and we can express our heart of joy uh, to Him. Reason number two, because of what Jesus has done with us, we're still in Hebrews 10, now verse 22 and 23. Because look what Jesus has done with us. Look what He has made of us. And so because of what Jesus has done for us, verse 22 starts and says, let us, let us therefore draw near with a true heart, okay. in full assurance of faith, having our, our hearts uh, sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, he says, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us uh, therefore hold fast to to the confession of our hope without wavering. All that is, is terminology. It is all words. These are words that show us what God has done for us, what he's done with us. Okay. He, when we accept the gospel of God, then that creates faith. Notice that full assurance of faith. Okay. Faith comes through that hearing. And then as we continue in that growing of the knowledge, that creates a change of our heart. Okay. So our hearts are made clean from an evil conscience that we all have one degree or another because of sin. Okay. And as we, one continues to grow in that gospel, he decides that he wants to obey the Lord, so he makes the good confession. Notice that. Hold fast to that confession that you have made. And then your bodies are washed with pure water. That has to refer to baptism. It cannot refer to anything else. It just can't. Okay. There's nothing else there in the New Testament where it could refer to. Okay. We know that when, when Saul of Tarsus was told to get up from his prayer stance, get himself baptized, he, was to wa- he would be washing away his sins, calling on the name of the Lord, Acts 22, 16. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 26, that the church has been sanctified through the washing of water and the word. So because of what God has done with us, he has made us something of, of that we were sinners, we were serving the world, uh, we had a conscience that could not be brought before God in any pleasing manner, but because of our submission to him, he has now created us a new heart. He has given us a new life. And because of that, we want to come to the assembly times. We want to worship and render our thanksgiving to him forever and ever. You know, Peter says in 1 Peter 3 and 21, the light figure wherein to even a baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the appeal to God for a good conscience. You see how that goes along with Hebrews 10, 10 there uh, as well. And so because of what God has done with us and what he can do with us, he can help us. He can give us the tools to be able to to grow before Him. Notice again right here in Hebrews 10. Hold fast to that confession of hope without wavering. Without wavering. You see, this is is Christian living in in a nutshell. You hear the gospel that brings faith, that changes your heart, that leads you to make the good confession that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. That causes you to go through that washing of pure water, which brings the forgiveness of your sins. And then after that, what do you do? You're to hold fast to all of that without wavering because He who promised is faithful. So the first two reasons here is because of what God has done for us and because of what God has done with us and what God can do with us. Reason number three, 
why New Testament Christians love the assemblies of the church because we love God. That's why we love. That's why we love this. We love God. It is very true that human beings want to be in the presence of those that they love. And Christians know that in a very special way, God is at, He has His presence at the assembly times in a very unique, special way. It's what Jesus said when He talked about the Lord's Supper, Matthew 26 and 29. He said, I will drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Well, here we are. Here we, we are in that time period. Thank the Lord. We're in that new and living way. We are in the kingdom. Jesus is here with us. Moreover, Hebrews 2 verse 12 says that Jesus would be declaring the Father's name unto his brothers during the assemblies and that in the midst of the congregation he would be singing the Father's praise. He's here with us when we worship. He's here with us as we sing. He's here with us as we study because we know that the Lord is going to be here because we love. We love to be in the presence of those that we love so that's why we love to be at the assemblies because we love God. Reason number four is because we love the Word of God. We love the Word of God. Assembly time brings to us such a great combination. Great combination. On the one hand, you've got the New Testament Christians. According to Jesus, we hunger and thirst after righteousness. Matthew 5, verse 6. Christians, according to 2 Peter 3, 18, they have a desire to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. So you got that. But then you've also got the church. And if the church is in somewhat following the New Testament at all, the church is in, interested in feeding the flock, Acts 20, verse 28. The church is interested in being the pillar and ground of the truth, 1 Timothy 3, 15. So you've got a tremendous combination. You've got the assembly, the church, who wants to feed the flock. And then you've got the Christians coming in who want to be fed, who are desiring... They have a hunger. They have a thirst for it. It's a tremendous combination. And so because we love the Word of God, we love the assembly times. So because of what Jesus has done for us, because of what Jesus has done with us, because we love God and because we love the Word of God, so New Testament Christians love the assemblies of the church. Reason number five is because we love our neighbor. We love our neighbor. We love our neighbor and we're concerned about our example before them. That's why we love the assemblies. We're concerned about our example. We want to be good examples. Other people ought to know. They do know. Surely they do know. Other people know that we profess to be Christians. We are Christians. We're New Testament Christians. But they're also knowing that they're observing our habits. They're observing what we do. They know when we're at church and when we're not at church. And so because we want to be, we love our neighbors. And we want to be that good example to them. We want to be a good example to our children. We want to be a good example to our grandchildren. We want to be a good example to any young people anywhere. And I'm going to tell you something. Young people at church, okay, I remember being young. It's getting harder to remember that, but I remember being young. And I remember looking up to and watching very closely the habits of those older folks, the ones older the ones up there singing, the ones up there praying. I watched them closely. I observed them. They were my heroes. Okay. We've got to be good examples to our young folks. We've got to be a good example to our neighbors. We've got to be a good example to those that we work with. We've got to be, 
We've got to be a good example to our wives, to our husbands, because New Testament Christians love their neighbors and are concerned about their example. That's why they love the assemblies of God. 1 Timothy 4 verse 12 says, Be thou an example of the believers. Be thou an example. Be this way in the manner of your life, in word, in faith, in love, in purity, in all ways, be thou an example of the believers. So reason number five is because, of course, we love our neighbor. Reason number six, why New Testament Christians love the assemblies of the church. We are concerned about our zeal. We're concerned about our fervor. We want to be zealous. We know our Lord was this way. We know that our Lord was filled with zeal for God. And we want to be like Him. Romans uh, 12 verse uh, 11. Romans 12 verse 11 says, Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We're concerned about our, our zeal. You know, if you take a coal of fire, a coal that has fire in it, and you just lay that coal by itself on the hearth, we know what's going to happen. If it's just all by itself, it's going to die out. Christians understand this. We need one another. If we're going to continue to burn for the Lord, if our light is going to shine brightly, we need one another. Romans 14, 7 says, No man lives to himself, no man dies to himself. We are the Lord's. We need one another. And that's why we love the assembly time, because we want to, we want to gather with others of light, precious faith, and we want to feed off of their zeal. We want to feed off of their faith. They make us better, and hopefully with some, in some small way, we can make them better. That's why we love the assemblies of the church, because we're concerned about our own zeal. Our own zeal. Just like that, that coal, that, that, that coal that's all alone on the hearth, it, it's going to burn out. Jesus warns in Matthew 24 and verse 12, that because of iniquity, the love of many will grow cold. We don't want that to happen. It's very possible it could happen. You know, in 1 Corinthians 11, we often read that at worship time, and that's a good, good passage. You go all the way down to verse 30. Paul says the reason it's so important to be here and to observe the Lord's Supper properly is because many sleep and many are dead. He's talking about spiritually, of course. Many are sleeping spiritually. We don't want to be that way. We don't want to lose our zeal. We want to be on fire for the Lord. That's, that's, that's a great reason why we love the assemblies of the church. And we're also concerned about our conscience. Reason number seven, we love the assemblies of the church. We're concerned about our conscience. We know what can happen to our conscience. When we become a, good, when, when we become a Christian... We're, we are appealing, according to 1 Peter 3.21, we're appealing to God for that good conscience, and He gives it to us. Not that we deserve it, but He gives it to us. And, and we're clean. But we know that our conscience can be defiled. According to Titus 1, uh, 15 and 16, our conscience can be defiled. Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, our conscience can become hardened. 
like, like an iron that, that presses down upon, like a hot iron that presses down on, like upon a piece of leather, makes it really hard. Our conscience can become that way. And that's why we love the assemblies. It helps us to have that clean, that, that good conscience. You know, when you miss one service, it feels weird. And it hurts. It hurts. But when you miss another, and then another, and then on down the line, you're still missing, then it becomes normal to miss. And then before long, you don't have hardly even a twinge of regret about missing. That's what we're scared of. And that's why we love the assemblies of the church. We need that. Reason number eight, going back to Hebrews 10 now, continuing in Hebrews 10, looking down to 24 and 25, we find reason number eight, that we love the assemblies of the church, is because we love, we love our brothers and sisters. Paul is teaching us, it might as well be Paul that's writing Hebrews. I don't know who wrote Hebrews, but it might as well be Paul. Whoever it was is teaching us here in verses 24 and 25 of Hebrews 10 how to love. How to love. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 is teaching us how to love. Okay. So let's look at this just for a minute or two. Notice he says to love you've got to consider each other. Consider each other. The word consider comes from two different words. Down, D-O-W-N, down, and mind. Mind. What it's saying there is put your mind down on something. To intensely concentrate on something. To meditate upon it. To intensely think about it. Okay. So we are to be putting our mind down on something. The same word is used back in Hebrews 3 verse 1 where it says consider your apostle and high priest of your confession that is Jesus Christ. Of course we're going to be putting our mind down on Jesus and all that He has done and all that He is and all that He means for our life. We continually do that. So the Apostle is saying here in verse 24, Hebrews 10, he says, in a similar way, take that sort of passion, take that kind of mindset and focus on your brothers and sisters. Focus on them. Think about them often. Constantly, not just think about them, but how can you be a boost to their faith? How can you be a boost to their faith? So he's teaching us how to love. And so once we have considered down, the next word here in Hebrews 10.24 is the word provoke. The word provoke. Okay. And you know what this means. It means to stimulate. To stimulate. To, to spur on. Okay. To inspire. To inspire unto love and good works. To provoke. To provoke. You know, uh, when you read uh, the characteristics of love in 1 Corinthians 13, provoke is used in a negative way. In other words, a person who loves does not try to provoke somebody to anger or provoke somebody to sin. That's terrible. That ought to be wiped away. Never, never, never. But provoke can be used in a positive manner. We need to inspire, to spur on to love and good works. We've got our brethren in mind now. How can I inspire them to love and good works? 
That's what the assembly is about. Okay. First about giving glory to God. We're coming here because we love God. And all He's done for us. But it's also about our brethren. Because we love our brethren. And to love them. We don't just say it. We try to inspire them to love and good works. That's why we have the bulletin. That's why we have announcements. That's why we have fellowship. We are spurring on. We're, we're, we're trying to urge others. We're trying to urge all of ourselves to be faithful, to be full of faith, to draw near to God with a full assurance of faith. We're trying to make that part of all of us. In Acts uh, 17, verse 16, Paul is there in the city of Athens. And he looked around. And the whole city was given over to idolatry. He'd never seen anything like it in his life. And it says there that his spirit was stirred within him. King James Version. American Standard Version says his spirit was provoked within him. But that's the same word. Acts 17, 16 is the same word as Hebrews 10, 24. Provoke. To stir. To stir. We want to stir one another up unto love and good works. And sometimes, like Paul there in the city of Athens, sometimes we can use what's going on in the world, the, the paths of sin and the tragedy of the path of sin, to spur one another on. Do you want to become like the world? Do you want to be like them on the day of judgment? Do you want to go down that path of destruction, of sin and, and unfaithfulness? Do you want to go down that path? And so seeing and comparing what the world has for you to what the Lord has for you can spur us on, can inspire us, stir us up to stay with uh, the Lord. Paul's teaching us how to love each other here in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. First, consider one another. Secondly, provoke one another. And thirdly, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's his third way of, of loving each other. One of the primary opportunities God gives us to spur people on and to show love to them are the assembly times. That's, that's in God's plan. Don't you see how he's doing there? The verse 25 is helping us to accomplish verse 24. That's how the language goes there. How, how, do, how do you consider one another? How do you provoke one another? By not forsaking the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is, but rather exhorting one another. So much the more. Keep on doing it as you see the day approaching. To forsake is to leave behind in a hard situation. To forsake is to leave, to leave, to leave behind in a lurch. To leave behind... In, in, a, in a situation of hardness and, and uh, helplessness. Okay. This idea is brought out in the uh, in Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan, where the priest and the Levite, seeing the men who had been robbed and, and beaten and left there about half naked, they passed by on the other side. What were they doing? They're forsaking that man. They're leaving him behind, providing no help whatsoever. If it was up to the priest and Levite on that day, that man's going to sit there and die. But the Samaritan comes along and helps. It's the same idea here in, in forsaking. A good way of examining ourselves is, is if, if everybody does as I do, then what happens to the church? 
If everybody does as I do, what happens to the church? That's, that's what the apostle is trying to get us to understand here in not forsaking the assembling of ourselves uh, together. Now, so that's reason number eight is because we love each other. We love each other. Checking my time here. I've got extra time. I would say reason number nine is because we understand the church. New Testament Christians understand the church. The word church is used in three major ways. It's used to refer to the group of people who have been saved by Christ from their sins. Uh, It is referred to the group of people who um, who are gathering together in a local church. For example, in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 1 and 2, to the church at Corinth. Okay. Uh, Jesus sent letters to the churches of Asia, different cities, different, different churches, congregations in those cities. Okay. So the word church is used to refer to a local congregation, but also the word church is used to refer to assembly time. Now the basic idea of the word church is being called out of the world uh, by the gospel uh, for Jesus. Okay. And so when we obey the gospel, then Jesus brings, out of, brings us out of the world of darkness. Like 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, we are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus brings us out of darkness, forgives us of our sins, and he automatically adds us to the church. Okay. Uh, Jesus said, I will build my church, Matthew 16, uh, 16 and 18. That's the idea of the church there. It's the body of the saved. Then we are also called out of the world to unify with a local church. God has not organized his church on a worldwide basis. He organized his church in a local sense. So so where there's a local church, then we are called out to unify with, to establish ourselves with a local church. Just like we were saying, saying before, we need one another, and so we ought to come to church and find a good, faithful church, and we need to identify with that church and make it known that we're here to help and we want to be helped by others. We're called to do that. But another part of being the church is we're called to assembly time. The word church is often used to refer to the church assembling together. One example would be 1 Corinthians 14.34 where it says to let all the women keep silence in the churches. Okay. We know that's assembly time. We know that's assembly time. Because God gives instructions that the, the men are to be in the leadership roles in public assemblies. 1 Timothy 2 verse 8. We know that's assembly time. And it's not an absolute silence, by the way. Okay. It's just a leadership type silence. Okay. Women are to sing. Women are to, are to teach uh, the little ones and teach among the ladies. But they just don't usurp authority over the man, as 1 Timothy 2 says. So there it is. Uh, there in 1 Corinthians 14, 34, this is the church assembling together. We are called by the gospel, therefore, to come out of the world to be saved from our sins, and to serve Christ. We are called by the gospel to come out of the world, 
to be saved from our sins, to serve Christ in the local church. We're called out of the world to come out of our sins, be saved by Christ, to serve Him through the local church and also to assemble together with the local church. Women are Christians wherever they go. Women are the church wherever they go. And, but here in the assembly, women are to keep, to keep silence as far as leadership goes. And God knew anyway that we're, you're not going to keep women silent in other places. Right? Okay. Just a little moment there. But you know that's true. You know it's true. I mean, you talk to the Lord about it when you get to heaven. But, but you know, he, he knew that you're not going to keep women silent anywhere else. So, but the assemblies was another thing. Okay. You know, we're just messing. We're just, you know, joking around. But you get the point. You get the point. Reason number ten. We love the assembly times because it gives us the opportunity to trust the Lord. To trust the Lord. I want you to quickly, uh, please, to notice Exodus chapter 34, 23 and 24, where in the, in the old time, the Hebrew males were required to present themselves before the Lord three times a year. They had to travel to do this. Three times a year. Exodus 34, 23 and 24. Those three times, as you know, was... Um, was to be in Jerusalem and was to be in the, um, the Passover feast and then later Pentecost and then the other gathering was the Feast of Tabernacles. Three times a year. But notice the promise there in verses 23 and 24 of Exodus 34. The promise was that while you're gone, and oftentimes it wasn't required, but oftentimes just like Mary went with Joseph when Jesus got lost from his parents there in Luke chapter Oftentimes, the, the women and children would accompany uh, their husbands on, on the trip. But notice the promise there in verses 23 and 24 that no one, no enemy would desire your land while you were gone. You ever thought about that? When you're leaving your homeland, you're leaving, you're going to be gone for a while. This is traveling by, you know, whatever, by, by mule and by by wagons, you're going to be gone quite a while. Look at the promise of God here, that while you're gone, while you're gone, no one's going to desire your land. No enemy's going to come and take over. No, no enemy, no, no thief, okay? It's going, to, it's going to come in and take your possessions while you're gone. And all those years, until the, the nation gave, it, gave itself over to idolatry, but before that, all those years that they made all those trips into the sacred places to present themselves before the Lord, they would be able to go back home and, and they would be taken care of. There's a lesson there for us. God will take care of us when we put Him first and give strong consideration to His assembly times. So I quickly wanted to share these ten reasons why New Testament Christians love the assemblies of the church. We know that God has um, tremendous power of mind. And He has a lot, He has more common sense than, than any of us will ever have. God understands. God knows 
that if a Christian is unable, physically unable, if a Christian is physically unable to leave their place of dwelling, and God knows that. God knows that. And God knows that if a wife is taking care of her husband who is physically unable to leave his place of dwelling, God knows that. We, live, we, we serve the true God. Okay. He's a God of common sense and he gives us common sense. God knows that the Lord's day service is to be high priority among us, but God also knows the church is going to be meeting in other assembly times. God knows that in providing for your family and work schedules don't always correspond with meeting times, but the church does its best to have assembly times that meets the needs of the majority, but God knows that that's not always going to take place. We, we serve a God of common sense. But nonetheless, here we are, we still have Hebrews 10. We still have all these examples before us. We still have the love of God. We still have what Christ did for us. So therefore, there are several reasons why. New Testament Christians love the assemblies of the church. We want to be right before God. This song that we're about to sing will help us do that. These scriptures together, these principles together, this song that we're about to sing will help us to think about being right with God, wanting to be uh, His servant. Ben, are you ready to sing? What's the name of the song? That's right. Let him have his way with thee. That is our plea. That is our plea to ourselves. That's, that's what it comes down to. At the end of my life, have I let God have his way with me? We invite you to come home to God right now as we stand together, as we sing.